Hey guys, welcome back to episode 7 of Tacos Tuesday. Um, there's a lot that's been going on, a few shakeups in the Amazon world, and I thought, um, especially with fulfillment stuff coming in, that we should bring our fulfillment master, um, our founder and CMO, Blair Force. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Is this how you guys start all the podcasts now? You guys have outpaced <laughs> me, so I feel like uh, I feel like I'm coming into your guys' realm now here. How were the other episodes? Um, it's It's been fun. We've been pretty much trying to get everybody who's the master of their specific topic. We've mm. gotten a lot of smart smart people, and I feel like um, it's crazy how many people have reached out to me and Philip saying like, oh, I learned this from you. This is great. Someone so so forth. people are actually messaging you guys now too. Yeah. That's I'm crazy. Kind of famous. What a, and Tell everyone about what happened at the event when we were in Toronto too. Um, so we had an Amazon event, and we were prospecting like we always do, and um, – Somebody told Blair that they they knew me and they remembered me from the podcast. And I didn't think that was actually the case. I thought he was like buttering me up to keep doing these episodes. But he actually did. And it goes to show like how much um, work that me and Philip have been doing and good things are starting to show from it. So we're really happy. We're happy we got to episode seven. We're hoping to get to at least past episode 10 because that's when most podcasts stop. So episode 11 and on is when we will know we're the real deal. What was your favorite episode so far? Hmm. Probably the Stephen Pope episode, just because my Amazon guy yeah, kicking ass. It's advertising is my my zone, and that's we really dug deep into it and the changes and the yep. strategies actually to get into it. Very cool. That's amazing. Awesome. All right, let's jump into it. Where can I help out? Where can I give my my feedback and insight? Okay, so regarding fulfillment, um, Amazon is going to be raising seller fees for the holidays to help with um, help them with inflation obviously you're probably seeing that on your end as you have a warehouse that we're currently right beside um from i understand from the advertising's perspective how to approach things because we felt um a similar issue during the the ipi phase of early peak covid but from the fulfillment side what do sellers need to do in order to survive this um survive this inflation and increasing fees are going to cut into their margins so, so there's a couple of things to consider. And so for context for anyone listening who, who didn't know, so uh, back in January, there was another round of adjustments based on all fees. And then recently, they just announced another round. And assuming next January, uh, they're going to be doing this kind of in like a perpetual motion where every single, it seems like every six months, but it might be every year. And there's a few reasons for it. And obviously, sellers are incredibly frustrated, but we also need to also put our heads in the minds of the beast himself. Amazon heavily overinvested in real estate and infrastructure because of everything with COVID. Yeah. And obviously they had the the most phenomenal year, just like how every seller that's listening to this had a very great year and everything's pulled back. Yeah. So Amazon's almost going back onto their back foot, even though they're still performing incredible. They're trying to figure out the best way to optimize. Mm -hmm. They had a lot different issue than a year ago where there wasn't enough space in the warehouse. Now they're they're leasing out extra space because they they have too much of it. Wow. And it's a short-term issue, but the and this this is where we come to kind of this cause and effect where of course now there's going to be seller fee adjustments because Amazon's grown, they've quadrupled their uh infrastructure investment and I'm pretty sure now they have the biggest uh warehousing infrastructure in North America. So they they have the most warehouses and from a total square footage. So They've invested in it. And of course, the sellers were going to pay a premium for it. And if anything, FBA has just got more advanced, more technical, and the hyper performance, like we, we're going to be paying for a premium. And I do feel that 
we've almost been spoiled for a while as much as everyone likes to complain about it uh, because if you haven't done FBM or you haven't done Shopify or tried to fulfill these orders yourself, you don't get to really see the full value of it. Yeah. Uh, but I promise you, if you got to fulfill orders like how I did for three years in a, in a basement, it makes you really appreciate FBA. And even with the small fees of 35 cents or 80 cents in adjustments, on a grander scale, when these brands are huge, like yeah. it makes a big change. Um, but for the micro brands and the micro sellers, let's say they're doing anywhere from six figures, like 100,000 to five to 10 million, the changes are still going to be minute. So there's some major fees that end up getting adjusted. Um, some of the ones were like the small and light program. Yeah. Um, so the overall weight end up going up. So for anyone who knows about the small and light program, this is to optimize uh, items that might be priced under that fourteen ninety nine mm-hmm. or a certain um, weight range. So like the overall referral fees are cheaper. So they actually open that up. So, so there's actual positive there. Um, but for categories overall outside of apparel, um, those all had slight increases in their total FBA fees. It's nominal is around like 35 to 50 cents for most categories. So it's a lot. And for a brand that is priced, let's say, under $19.99, it's not an easy pill to swallow. But for for companies that, like I mentioned, Javon, like doing under a few million dollars, the, the total costs are are in the thousands, not yeah. not the tens of millions of dollars, like some of the, the aggregators of the packables of the world. So um, it's not that I'm putting like, a, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm almost pulling back and saying yeah. like, it's not a big deal. But in the grander scheme of things from a macro it, it's going to happen. Um, us as sellers, we don't have choices. Yeah. It's Amazon. We signed up for the beast. We're playing in the beast court. They have home court advantage at the end of the day, right? Yeah, so sure. um, it's just some of my thoughts. There there were some some definite uh, changes that we need to be considerate of and be cognizant of. Yeah. But on a grander scheme of things, the fees will continue. Don't be surprised in January what happens again, but it's just prepare for it. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'd mention there on my, my little bit of a rant and tangent is that Yes, the FBA fees have been going up, but on average, from a retail pricing standpoint, yeah. average trends across the board, you guys may have already spoken about this, but going up anywhere from like 10 to 20 plus percent. So as the fees go up, the overall competitive nature, like the they're, they're all going in a, in a delta, right? So it's, yeah. it's not that your overall costs are, are increasing, but then your pricing is not staying the same. Like inflation's allowed for every brand to be a little bit more um, strategic with their pricing. So items that were priced at $19.99, they're now priced at $22. So as much as we, we like to look at it, there, there is a delta going up too to hopefully absorb those. And all your competitors are doing it too because the, the nature of the shipping world, everything is becoming more and more expensive. Yeah. You really, that really was a tangent. It's like <laughs> I woke up ready for this. <laughs> so um, regarding in terms of actual strategy, does, does that mean sellers should... If these fees are actually cutting into your margin, should they be cutting out some of their product lines? Should they be drip feeding into FBA? What are the, the certain things that a seller needs to do to, to maximize their margins now? Yeah, so so let's let's look at Q4 because okay. I, I think we're, we're approaching this. So I yeah. think it's a really critical time. So, so there's two facets of it. One is the overall fee changes. And then two is going to be their inventory limits yeah. and what they get a post from. Uh, I was just speaking to like one of the top 100 Amazon sellers in the US and uh, they just got randomly striked with a huge new limit um, out of nowhere, even yeah. though it, where things seem to be kind of looking up. Yeah. So on the FBA fee side, let's cover that side first. Um, really what it comes down to is, is, is if you know your costs, like you, you can't argue with Amazon. Yeah. So the, my two recommendations is one, can we optimize packaging? 
So if there was an adjustment based off of a size requirement, are you able to now be applicable for small and light? Can you get yourself into a different subcategory that's a little bit more effective, mm -hmm. right? If, if you can be a little bit strategic, it's a bit of a gray area, but yeah. um, so rechange packaging, can you change up categories? And if not, you're gonna just have to be strategic with your pricing. So, so those are my three recommendations. Um, and, I, and I wish there was a, oh, there's a secret yeah. sauce to open up a case and try to get through. You can kick and scream all you want, but it's happening. Yeah. Uh, Amazon's not going to change. And as much pull I have versus as much pull you have, like <laughs> there, there's no echo that's going to go heard. Yeah. So I, I think on the FBA uh, adjustment side for fees, there's not too much to do except let's get a bit more creative with our pricing strategy. Can we optimize the placements inside of Amazon? Yeah. And it might come down to looking at some options like how you mentioned, like merchant fulfillment. Yeah. But uh, again, I, I think that's more of a secondary precaution where it's an adjustment in fees. Yeah, It's going to happen. And you'll probably notice like our 3PL versus all other warehouses. It's not that Amazon's just doing this. Like Walmart fulfillment program, their fees went up. Mm -hmm. Every 3PL you work with, their fees went up. Yeah. Like the overall cost of everything is getting more expensive. So our warehousing cost has gone up. Like we're feeling that too. So um, regardless, everyone's kind of moving in a perpetual motion to increase things. So um, I'd like to know your thoughts, but it's it just, if you know your cost down to a T and whether you use a platform, whether you use an agency, like you got it now more than ever, like if you're going to have to cut costs and it's a tough time for sellers, like yeah. if you don't know the numbers, like the back of your hand, yeah. every fee that could happen, if those aren't locked in and you're dreaming about those, like you're going to be in trouble the next like 18 to 24 months. It's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. What do you think? On the advertising side, I, I won't say, I wouldn't say it's peak COVID 2020 mm. where we need to, to cut your advertising. Yeah. Um, I would use a twofold approach. It's probably not the best time to launch a new product if you don't have the margin for it. Um, the idea of making sure that although the fees are, are increasing, you want to make sure inventory moves as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. So I would actually allocate my funds into my best sellers and trying to push them as much as possible. If you're you're noticing over the six month stretch while you're building a product that this isn't this isn't moving a lot and these fees are actually going to cut into my margin of a slow moving product, that's probably where you probably take stuff out of FBA and then move that to an FBM product so that when you're starting to generate sales, you're getting reviews and you feel more confident that that's going to sell faster. You can put that back into FBA. But it's a twofold approach to ensuring that, A, I'm making sure that my stuff is moving faster so we can generate sales. Our margins are cut a lot by increasing fees. And also with our newer or, or slower moving products, we have a strategy that our fees, our, our actual margin is a little bit better if we mm. can find a, um, a viable FBM service like AMZ Prep. You got to plug them. You got to <laughs> plug them. But let, let's jump into that because yeah. I think it's super valuable. Like, and because like we're going on to the topic of inventory restrictions, yeah. which there was a little bit of a period there where everyone seemed like it was uh, hopeful right after COVID where yeah. expansions opened up, limits were going there. Now we're starting to see these. And like for the brands that I'm speaking with and the private brands you're speaking, they're now starting to re-implement these and we need yeah. to be proactive of them. So I have a couple suggestions and then please chime in kind of like what you mentioned with the FBM. Yeah. So when we think about the inventory restrictions, Q4 is going to happen and there's going to be something. Yeah, it does. Sure. I, prepare for it now. Whether you think it will happen or not happen, like you will get punched in the face with your inventory. Yep. It's just, it's the, the nature of the game itself. You're playing the game. It's going to happen. There's going to be a foul. So some of the things, and I have a couple here that I'll, I'll mention and, yeah. then, and then chime in is 
Yeah, Trevon, you, you banged on it. Like um, the ability to make sure that uh, you can optimize your turnover. Yeah. So like by doing smaller shipments. So Amazon has everything off of an IPI score. So this is basically your credit score on Amazon. Yeah. The IPI score has a couple key indicators. One of those three is your inventory turnover, which literally just means like how much product you have inside of Amazon versus how quickly it's turning over. Yeah. And it's, it's a, a division of each other. So that ability to make sure that you optimize the total turnover that's happening inside of Amazon in simple terms, it means like don't place really bad products inside of Amazon, yeah. like remove your low hanging skews, or you're gonna have to figure out a way like Trevon, you mentioned like, how do we scale up advertising to make sure that you can really tap into that market? Yeah. The other two things I was going to mention was that, yeah, so, so let's optimize inventory turnover. And that could mean, do we go more aggressive with ads? Do we pull out low performing SKUs and have those via merchant fulfillment? Yeah. That's another option. It could be doing smaller shipments to Amazon. So instead of having 90 days of stock, do we have 30, yeah. right? It's your, you, you got to walk a very thin line because if you go out of stock, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, or if, if your agency is running ads and they're not aware of how much stock you have and you start a big uh, Q4 push or you have a lightning coupon, but you don't have 90 days worth of stock, you have 30. Yeah. Like these are things that you need to have a, a cognizant uh, thought process behind. But how do we optimize turnover? Um, so that was the the polling, the new sales. But then the other part of your inventory strategy is about like reducing your overall uh, storage because Amazon is just going to look at you from what you have in the warehouse versus how you perform. Yeah. So if you have a lot of bench warmers and you have a lot of old products that's sitting there, our rule of thumb is anything after 30 to 60 days right now, I would just remove from Amazon. It's just my recommendation. The actual technical mark is 90 days. So if it's more than 90 days and you look inside of your seller central and there's any product there, that needs to go. That's not going to fly with Amazon and also any inactive listings. Yes, I know your your agency or your uh, your marketing manager said that they can somehow fix that listing. <laughs> not for Q4. <laughs> Get the stock out, pull the returns on all that. So everything should be so tight knit going into Q4 yeah. that just just look at it as like the most prime real estate, right? Like you wouldn't build a shack on the the nicest property, especially during Christmas time, yep. right? Like if you're inside the most busy shopping mall on planet Earth, right? You're probably just gonna bring out your best movers. If you have, let's just say you have a a room this big that it's right during Christmas, like you're not gonna put your like your water bottle that was blue that sold twelve. <laughs> no, you're gonna put in your chocolates that sell. You're gonna put in your Christmas items yep. and your ornaments, like. It, it just have that strategic thinking that, yeah, like you might lose a couple sales from those low performing SKUs. My personal humble suggestion is get them out of Amazon. Like, especially if you are severing with any level of inventory limits, like just do everything into power because it will end up becoming an 80-20 rule. And as long as your top performance continue to outpace, every seller is looking at an acquisition or an end goal. And if you lose those top priority sales because a random jellyfish plus toy <laughs> was keeping up storage inside of the warehouse, like yeah. I'll be upset, Trevon will be upset, just don't do it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a couple of recommendations, but you just, at the end of the day, you gotta lock it in. It's like, uh, I was speaking to the the fellas at Ad Badger, mm -hmm. right? And uh, cause I was just on their podcast and, and I was emphasizing like, it's almost like eating your broccoli. You know what I mean? I yeah. was like, no one likes doing this whole inventory thing. It sucks. It's not sexy. No, it's not sexy. Yeah. It's not fun to talk about. There's no Facebook groups or guru classes about how to make sure that you really crush it, uh, which is what we're, we're trying to make uh, logistics sexy again. But at the end of the day, eat your damn broccoli.
yeah. figure out inventory. You probably have a month before it gets really crazy. I would say so, yeah. And, uh, and I think going into it, and I'd like to know your thoughts, is that even going into Q4, like it'll probably happen earlier. Like I, I noticed that we're seeing trends of like uh, Q4 purchasing patterns like happening in like early October versus a few years ago, it was like mid-November was when the peak. Now like the peak's happening in October, yeah. which means the planning's happening in September, which means if you don't have stock in August, like it's already, it's, it's over before it even started. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, sellers need to start planning from now. We have a, another prime day that's supposed to happen within October. So that Ooh. those um, actual uh, fees and discounts plus the increasing FBA fees are going to cut into your margin a lot. Well, and why do you think they're doing it during October? Right? Like yeah. usually it's a November push yeah. or like the Black Friday pushes, but they're doing it in October for a very certain reason. To get as much inventory out as possible. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. So that makes a lot of sense. What I would look at is look at my actual turnover and for each SKU and see what can I actually allocate in terms of actual FBA storage fees before mm -hmm. it starts eating into my margin. It doesn't make sense at all. Mm. I would probably get a lot more aggressive with uh, my ACOS because with rising fees, you'll be able to, you can increase your turnover by five to 10% by increasing your ACOS by only 2%. Mm. With that like mono, like nominal increase, you'll be able to increase your turnover a lot more and save on those FBA fees by simply just being a lot more aggressive and ensuring that that 60 day window that these products actually um, stay within stock on Amazon, we're, we're doing 45 now and we're drip feeding. The fees are actually cheaper, even though my ACOs jumped from 25 to 27 percent with these slow movers, like Blair said, take those out of FBA um, or apply a really aggressive coupon so you can sell things through if you don't want to actually eat the fee of pulling stuff out. Th those are probably my two best recommendations in terms of um, maximizing your margins and pushing things from there. So one thing I, I want to just mention on that, so we can close off the whole yeah. my whole fulfillment uh, my fulfillment rant, is that with Q4 upcoming, everyone that's listening, depending on, I really hope you're listening to this early <laughs> enough, is that you're going to have a really small subset of time to plan things. So a couple of my, my key recommendations to take away is that one, if, uh, if you have a 3PL or you do it yourself, depending on what you do from a logistics yeah. standpoint uh, or a prep center, whatever you want to call them, just a partnered facility that can yeah. handle your, your Amazon products, uh, one, see if they have the capacity for FBM. doesn't mean you need to turn on FBM. And like you mentioned, like there, there's a lot of disadvantages from an advertising perspective by doing FBM. It's, yeah. it's going to be a very hard achievement to be able to cool. do. And you may not want to be as strategic on those ad campaigns, but they're probably slow movers. You probably realistically should be running ads they're not moving past an Amazon and FBA. Like they're, they're there might be something them. wrong outside of, of my suggestion on inventory. So uh, see if your 3PL can do FBM because that's going to be a critical piece of it. Even if they're not uh, activating it, have it set up. Because a lot of fulfillment centers like ours, for example, if you don't have FBM actually set up, which means products inside of picking bins, your product might be sitting on a pallet. It's not ready for FBM. And I promise you, it's PQ4. They're not going to be going and breaking down a pallet to set up picking bins. Yeah. Not during Christmas time. Yeah. For example, like in our warehouse, like we're setting up uh, deadlines for when new clients can get onboarded. So if it's after November, we're waiting until January. Just so you have an idea, right? So like because of how gridiron it is, we don't change anything during that time. Mm. Everyone puts their head down and locks it in. So yeah. it means who's ever in the warehouse, like the gates close and we dial it in to make sure that every customer can get product by Christmas. So uh, check out if you can have FBM set up. Uh, make sure that your 3PL is fully competent. If not, find an alternative too. And maybe even have stock at your at your own house or your garage. 
just have a backup for a backup for a backup. Yeah. Your 3PL is going to get hit hard. Amazon's going to get hit even harder. And if you want all the control in the world, if you have a small prep center in uh, Ohio or New Jersey that has two staff, you might be in trouble. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's not the right choice, but let's be cognizant of like the realities of what the landscape looks like right now. Yeah. Like plan for the unexpected, plan to get punched in the face. And if, and if you're going into Q4 thinking everything's green and dandy, there might be something flawed that you need to start poking holes into. So it's just my suggestions to take away, but uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. With, with, uh, with the early second prime day, Sellers are going to smash it. They're going to have a really successful Q4. It's it's never been a better time to to really push aggressively with another Black Friday or another um, Prime Day, Black Friday, Christmas coming in, Boxing Day if you're Canadian like us. Um, there's a real big opportunity to double your sales in a way that probably wasn't viable maybe a, a year or even two years ago with how hard COVID hit everybody. Mm. Um, advertising is probably the greatest the best gateway in actually getting there. Be as aggressive as possible, but also know your numbers. So if you are able to know that you can emit 2 to 3% in margin, but you're going to increase your turnover by 30%, it will even out based on the additional fees that Amazon would be causing you if you are using a more um, conservative approach. Eat your broccoli. Basically, that's that's the story of today. You want to do the packable thing? Yeah, let's do it quickly. Okay. Let me just give you context on it. Okay. Uh, packable is a uh, they're like a top ten Amazon seller. At one point for a while, they were the number one, number two. On average, they're probably doing around five hundred million on Amazon uh, just in GMV. They've been around. I think it was twenty eleven or twenty thirteen. Like when I got started in the Amazon space, they they were the uh, the patterns with the spree tails of yeah. the world. So they're they're always a top performer. Uh, they don't have private label brands. They're a straight wholesaler. But they they just did it at mass scale at a very early stage before Amazon FBA was even available before wholesale and Amazon FBA like all these all the things that you guys hear about now it was uh, it was much earlier than that mm-hmm. they quickly became the fastest and for the past six or seven years they've been the most dominant ones in the space from a wholesale perspective uh, where some of the other brands like the uh, the Spreetails of the world focus on brand players they're focusing on wholesale distribution play so as of uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, they announced bankruptcy, which means they laid off uh, or laying off actively all employees inside of the company. And they are also liquidating all stock. This shocked literally the entire Amazon landscape because they're they're a top performer. They do on average $1.7 million in revenue per day on Amazon. Just let those numbers sink in, right? Yeah. Like they're they're crazy figures. And and I, I think there, there's a couple key learnings that you can have taken from it. And let me know your thoughts. But it's know your numbers. Like for the fact that a big company like that, I think one, it's the ability to know your numbers. Like even the the biggest and bad boys are having issues. So your yeah. several million dollar business can have the same holes getting poked in it. I think that's a huge learning curve. I think two, Amazon landscape is changing. If the number two went down, I think the next 12 to 18 months, we'll see who can actually ride the wave versus who was inflated off of a raised capital or yeah. money that was injected uh, because uh, they couldn't raise another round. That was the whole issue where no one was giving them new financing and yeah. they were already heavily in debt, didn't have another choice. Yeah. So I, I think those two are super key. And, and I think the the third will just be like prepare for the unexpected. Like if if it can happen to them, I think it can happen to anyone. Yeah. But I, I it shocked the world that a company that big can just go under and they're liquidating everything. And we we just thought they were crushing it. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see. Yeah. 
it's it's really crazy especially i would i would say what we're experiencing now on amazon has been like market correction whereas in um early 2020 anyone that was able to stay with in stock double triple whatever they were doing just simply because everyone was looking for amazon as a viable way to get anything into their house right whereas now there's a bit more options inflation has hit everybody pending recession so there's a bit of market correction and even the big boys like you said are having these issues so understanding what you actually can do that it's viable from advertising perspective an inventory perspective what's your current ipi score is going to ensure that you don't run into the same mistakes yeah and i think we'll end up seeing uh next 18 months i'll i i think we'll end up seeing a lot of these guys go down you're seeing it with a lot of these aggregators and obviously like we work closely with a lot of these guys yeah um so so we're seeing it from the ground floor so I, I think the aggregators that didn't have strong operators, I think that will be a huge issue. And any top hundred, top thousand that just didn't have strong operators behind it, and they raised capital and they didn't be able to fall through, it gets a very sensitive topic. But something's going to have to change, uh, and you'll see this pullback. Like like evaluations are going down, aggregators are buying not as big business. Like they're buying only premium size, like ten million plus ones that have really stable securings because mm-hmm. I, I think everyone was super excited about it, but then they, they forgot about some of the fundamentals when you bring 200 new businesses into one system, yep. right? And uh, it was okay because the market was going up, but now that we're, we're on a falling knife, it's about how do we make sure that we, uh, we clean up costs? So it's, it's a good realization. I, I think it puts everyone into a bit of a corner. Um, and, I, I, and for the packable employees, like, God bless them. That's terrifying. Yeah. But for the overall market itself, I think it's a good correction because it needed to happen. Yeah. And I think people need to see these big players start to get hit to see like what's actually happening at the top because yeah. it looks like a lot of sunshine and rainbows. No, actually, they they were burning millions and millions and millions on a weekly basis. So there, there's a story to be told here and there's a lesson to be learned, but it all comes down to the fundamental strong operators, know your margins and maybe don't raise that much money. <laughs> even though it sounds like a pretty sexy idea to me. So yeah, um, just just my thoughts. But if anyone uh, anyone packable is looking for jobs, I made a whole Google sheet. So we have like probably 400, 500 people and uh, like two to 300 employers that we're looking. So we'll uh, we'll definitely add it there or, or have a, a look at any of our postings. And we, we have it there too. So hopefully you can find yourself a new home. Awesome. Wow. That was a lot. Uh, thank you, Blair, for joining. Absolutely. I'm jumping to a meeting. Awesome. Awesome. So... Um, that is episode seven of Tacos Tuesday. Um, thank you again, Blair, for joining, and we will see you next week. Yeah.